Crosspoint Community Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. I have a brief amount of time this morning before we get into baptisms. And I have three points. I don't know that I usually have points because I wander a bit. So for those of you who are linear will maybe appreciate this morning more than normal. (laughs) But the first thing, and these are three things about our mission. And we get these things from Acts chapter 2. I'm going to be reading in verse 36. But there's three things about our mission. And let me read what Luke writes in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 36, where Travis ended last week Peter's sermon, the first gospel message of the New Testament post-ascension of Jesus. 36, Luke writes this, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, Peter bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The first thing that we see about our mission is this. The gospel is the good news that Jesus is Lord and Messiah over all creation. The actual good news of the gospel, the gospel which means good news, is that Jesus is exalted as king. Last week, Travis, I remember as he was reading the passage that contains the sermon that that Peter spoke, Travis kept reading and he kept saying, king, 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 king. And I think it is easy for us to miss this because as I've been working through Acts, and as the Holy Spirit has been working on me, I think that we have misemphasized the gospel. We haven't been wrong about the gospel, but I think we've misemphasized the gospel. We've de-emphasized something that is really the core to the gospel. Because at its core, the gospel is the proclamation about who Jesus is, his identity. That is the good news, not necessarily salvation or moral codes. Now, I want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying salvation is not part of the gospel or salvation is unimportant because without salvation, we are stuck in our sins. But salvation is actually a very significant byproduct to the kingship 
and exaltation of Jesus Christ. We tend to see and share the gospel as a personal and individual way to avoid some sort of undesirable consequences through salvation because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. While that is accurate that yes, salvation takes us from being sinners, being enemies of God to his children, that is not the primary focus of the gospel. We see this in Acts 2. We see this in, in, throughout the, the New Testament. The gospel, you see, is primarily identifying Jesus as king and all of the rest follows. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter two. He says, very, it's very similar to what Peter preached in Acts two. Paul says this, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is the gospel. That Jesus is exalted above every name and that he is king over all the universe and because of his identity, we can have salvation. We can be forgiven. But if Jesus is not king, we don't get salvation. Do you see that the kingship of Jesus is primary in the presentation and proclamation of the gospel. See, Peter's message, it was all about the identity of Jesus. Think about Peter pre and post resurrection. Before the resurrection, Peter was denying Jesus as an associate after he was proclaiming Jesus as king. That's a distinction. You see, this is the, the eternal imbalance that will mark anyone who proclaims Jesus or preaches. It is a message far more powerful than its messengers. Today we have this thing of, of powerful communicators. If the communicator is more powerful than the message, then I don't know that they're communicating the right message. Because the message is that Jesus is king of all the universe and he's been exalted to the name that is above every name. You see, the gospel is about Jesus exalted as king of the universe and often in our presentation and our internalization of the gospel as primarily my salvation, we've created two false paths of living that are easy for us to navigate. One is the path of failing to deny ourselves because we don't really see Jesus as king of our lives. Because it's just about my forgiveness. And when it's just about my forgiveness, we're not motivated to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow the king. The other path that we create is that, is that we tend to use then the king's power in his name as power over people rather than power for people. 
We use God's power to change people to our liking rather than to allow the Holy Spirit to transform them into the likeness of Jesus. And so Jesus calls us to deny ourselves and use his power in his name for the sake of the world as witnesses of his exaltation and who he is. Many who comprise the church have wrongly emphasized the gospel in making it about my salvation rather than the exaltation of Jesus. If Jesus is not exalted as king, there is no salvation. Many of us receive our salvation and then do what we want because we do not pledge all our allegiance to King Jesus. Many others take the power that the king has given us through his salvation and we use it over people in Jesus' name rather than for people in Jesus' name. The key to the full life that Jesus promised begins with him as exalted above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. Second thing that that we need to understand from this passage is this, that an authentic encounter with the true identity of Jesus demands a decision. Allegiance or rejection. That's the reality of, of, of encountering the authentic Jesus. It, it says in, in verse 37, it says, and the people after Peter preached, they were pierced to the heart by the message that he spoke. You know what's interesting? Before the resurrection, Peter was cutting off ears with a sword, but after the resurrection, he was cutting to the hearts with the word. You see, the people said in response to what Peter said, they said, what should we do? What do we do with this? What do we do with this message that we've presented that Jesus is the king of the universe, the one we rejected? And it's interesting that these are faithful Jewish people who've gathered in Jerusalem at Pentecost. It said that they were God-fearing earlier in Acts chapter two. Why should the already faithful ask this question? Because transformation demands necessary change for even those who are already committed. There is not a point where you stop being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. We should always be asking what should we do when we are faced with Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Finally, the third point is this. The third thing that we take from this passage is this. Reception of and obedience to the Holy Spirit is our lifelong active pursuit. Reception of and obedience to the Holy Spirit is our lifelong active pursuit. And so, in response to the question that the people asked Peter, what shall we do? He said two things. He said, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. How do we welcome and receive the Holy Spirit into our life? By repentance and baptism. Repentance is a consistent theme throughout the whole Bible, but, but we see it in John the Baptist. We see it in Jesus' ministry. And now we see Peter preaching repentance to the crowd at Pentecost. Repentance means changed thinking, which leads to changed behavior. 
Repentance is a deep theological and practical thread of the new covenant in Jesus Christ. Repentance is the one action that is on me. I don't save myself. I don't make Jesus king. But you know what we are called to do? We are called to repent. That is the one thing that's dependent on us. That's our only job, (laughs) to repent. God doesn't even expect us to save everyone else. God doesn't expect us to right the wrongs in the world. He expects us to repent. And then we become witnesses for him. Baptism would be something that was familiar to this Jewish audience. They had regular ritual washings. It made sense. Yet what what Peter says, listen to what Peter says, because this would be an interruption or disruption to the thinking of these Jewish hearers. Listen to what Peter says. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. So far, they'd be like, yeah, I can be baptized. I have, I have a baptismal in my house. A lot of Jews had baptismals at their house. But he says, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Whoa, that's different. No one had ever been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and received the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is a different baptism. This is the baptism that John spoke about. This is the baptism that that is actually in the authority and the name of Jesus. It is shockingly and significantly superior to what they were used to because what they used to do when they were baptized, when they went through this baptismal process, was they were symbolically cleansed for a time until they had to do it again. What Peter is saying is you are baptized in Jesus once for the forgiveness of sins and you are then a child of God. See, each baptism in the name of Jesus will loudly and clearly call the Holy Spirit to claim another part of God's creation, to visibly lay claim on yet another child of God for the kingdom of God. That's what baptism is. And he says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. At the core of the gospel is the gift of the Holy Spirit and what he provided to those who believe. You see, the Spirit's baptism signifies the Spirit's washing and consequential presence in a person's life forever rather than an emphasis on speaking in tongues. But I want to make a note here for those of us who have maybe had a hard time with people who talk about the the filling of the Spirit or the baptism of the Spirit having some visible manifestation. Or maybe you're here this morning and you say, well, no, I I believe that, that there's a physical manifestation that comes with the Spirit. Here's the thing. While I believe that Scripture teaches very specifically and strongly that Spirit baptism is the Spirit coming at salvation and filling us forever, I will not break fellowship with brothers and sisters who take this and other passages differently because this is not a point of broken fellowship within the body of Christ. Sometimes we need to get over ourselves. 
and recognize that we don't know everything and live with charity and peace as far as it is concerned to us. And then there's this thing that Peter says about this forgiveness and this Holy Spirit. He says, this is to you and to, he says specifically, he says, uh, let me read it. He he says, uh, for this promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off. Everyone on whom the Lord our God calls to himself. This promise, this message is for them who were in hearing of that. In their context, when he said, and your children, he was talking about generations and the generations that come after you. And then he said, and those who are far off. I think that Peter thought he was saying something different than the Holy Spirit was speaking through him. And this is, this is a key for us because sometimes the Holy Spirit asks us to speak something and we think we're saying one thing, but the Holy Spirit is saying an entirely different thing. Because you see, between here and Acts chapter seven and eight, the Gentiles aren't brought, are not, Peter isn't brought in on the secret that God is giving that the Gentiles are the ones who are far off. Peter's thinking about something else, probably. But the Holy Spirit is saying, not only is this promise for you as the Jews and your descendants, but it is for all people. The people that you won't have fellowship with, this promise is for them too. See, what Peter understood and what the Holy Spirit was saying is different. There's a lag time between Peter in Acts 2 and the Peter who was, had this vision in, in, in chapter 7 and 8. One of the things that we should respond with humility in this is that not everything we think we're saying on behalf of God is exactly what we think we're saying. (laughs) Sometimes God has a much bigger picture and God has a much bigger vision than what we have. And so then it says that that day, 3,000 people were baptized. What an incredible moment. And so this morning, What we are confronted with is this, that Jesus is Lord and Messiah over all creation. He is king. He is the exalted king. That is the the core of the gospel message. And that an authentic encounter with Jesus demands a decision on our part. And we either reject or we pledge allegiance to King Jesus. We can outright reject him or sometimes a less obvious way we do it is that we say, Jesus, I'm glad you forgave me and now I'm clean, but I'm gonna continue to do life my own way and decide what you say, what that means for me. That's very similar to rejecting King Jesus. Because you can't tell a king that you're gonna do things your way when he's told you his way. And then reception of and obedience to the Holy Spirit is our lifelong active pursuit. And here's the reality that morning, because there was far more than 3,000 people in that crowd. The offensiveness of this message that Jesus is king, this message about Jesus is a real problem for some that day and today. And they they will not have their religious or social sensibilities challenged by King Jesus, even if that challenge is a word of good news that the God who created them seeks after them and loves them in the person of Jesus Christ. So there will be some who say no. 
When confronted with the identity of Jesus, you either repent and get baptized or you have to deny that he is king. For those, however, who heard this message, a new reality begins to take shape and takes hold of them, driving them to their knees in the presence of Jesus. So the question this morning for us as we celebrate is, will we repent? Will we turn from our thinking and do we acknowledge Jesus as king? And if we acknowledge Jesus as king, will we proclaim that publicly in baptism? We've got a group of people this morning who are going to be baptized. And, 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 and what we felt because of the passage this morning, for me, one of the things that God's been challenging me with is this, that I need to obey more quickly what the Spirit asks. Some of us were, were here last night watching a film called Free Burma Rangers, and one of the things that I see in that film with David who is kind of one of the main people in that film as he obeys the Holy Spirit's voice, is he keeps saying over and over, I prayed and then I did. I prayed and then I acted. I prayed and then I obeyed. And so as we were talking about this passage, the question comes up, Peter says, repent and be baptized. So we have a group of people who are gonna be baptized this morning, but here's what I wanna ask you this morning. If you have been cut to the heart, Maybe it's to recognize Jesus as king for the first time. Maybe you haven't been baptized and you're saying, no, no, I, I need to declare and proclaim and, and visibly be seen as pledging my allegiance to Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you didn't plan on getting baptized, but you want to be baptized, I would like to invite you to join me over there in just a couple minutes after I pray. I wanna have a conversation and then you can get baptized this morning. Because what happened in the context of Acts 2, Peter didn't say, repent, go to a workshop. <laughs> you get it. <laughs> so if you've prayed this morning, and the Holy Spirit has moved you to get baptized, then meet me over there. We've got some shorts and shirts and towels. We can take care of you. But let me pray for us as we go into baptism this morning. Father, we come before you in Jesus. I thank you that you are more than just a savior. I thank you that you are a savior who is a king and that you have been exalted to the highest place. I pray that you would forgive me for so often not recognizing your title. And this morning, God, as, as we come and we celebrate life in Christ, and loyalty to the king. God, I pray for those maybe this morning who you're speaking to 
that they would have the boldness in Jesus and the humility in themselves to obey. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint. 